Welcome to Find the Numbers. Tyson Baker with you, Bench Clear Media. Happy to be back with you guys. Had a little bit of a break there after the Super Bowl. Um, I did plan on giving you guys an end of the season show today, but my conversation with Chris Leroy, which you have to hear, went a little bit long. So I'm going to push some of those things to next week. So kind of what I had planned for the end of the season was I was to go over my top five players to buy in the offseason. We're going to kind of break down the Super Bowl, uh, talk about – I kind of want to go through most of the quarterbacks in the league and talk about their values throughout the season and just kind of where they went from to the start to finish. Like, for example, Brady was about 16,800 PSA 10 for his rookie start of the season. Now he's 15,000. 400 so kind of pretty stable for him but i'd like to kind of look into stafford and uh, burrow and all those guys that obviously made some big gains to their uh their hobby their status so uh but the conversation with chris was just great so we definitely went a little bit long we chatted about a lot of different things about how the retail game's gone we get into whatnot quite a bit i really think you enjoy the conversation and i'll be back next week with that end of season report uh here we are chris leroy All right, welcome back behind the numbers, Chris Leroy. We got to get our retail fix, get up to date with what's going on retail. And uh, Chris, you've been having kind of a crazy couple of weeks of breaking product. Uh, we'll talk. We'll get to your big select hit, but uh, what, what yeah. have you been opening? What have you been opening football wise lately? Um, mosaic mostly. Um, during the during the playoffs and stuff, I I got lucky and bought a bunch of select and prism, a lot of fanatic stuff. So kind of dip back into the last year's rookie class, but it's awesome that now that Mosaic's out and man, they the changes they made to Mosaic this year makes it so much fun to rip. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what what are your thoughts of uh, Mosaic kind of retail right so far? Put it this way: if I broke a lot of hobby, I'd be very upset because yeah. you know the changes that they made to Mosaic this year. It's absolutely incredible. You have they you know. The Genesis chase is always huge. The fluorescent chase is awesome. But, you know, with the addition of honeycombs and the um, stained glass or whatever they're calling it, the busted short print, the storm chaser short print, the masquerade ball short print. I mean, it's just loaded with short prints and chase. Yes. You know, I mean, obviously the price is a lot more than it used to be. But with all that, it's basically hobby chase in there, too. You know, I, I can't tell you how many guys I've seen say, you know, I dropped $500 on a hobby box. I opened two blasters and hit a stained glass or, you know, whatever yeah. they're calling it. But it's, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing. They did it exactly right. They, they nailed it with mosaic in my opinion. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Like I said, I told you on when you were breaking just the 400 base cards makes the hits a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, but I think adding those honeycomb, adding the different things they've added, I think have been really helpful. Um, then I think the other thing that's not as awesome right now is that that 2020 class was kind of ho-hum, but I still think there's a lot of potential there. I think people are, like I said, spoiled with Burrow and Herbert. Those things aren't going to happen very often. Sure. And I, I think the, we have a lot of change coming with Lawrence and Fields, new coaches. Um, so there's going to be a lot of turnover, a lot of different uh, there are different looks next year. I mean, Doug Peterson's won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Uh, we know how he fizzled out in Philly, but going to Jacksonville could be big for Lawrence, I think, offensively. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of excitement there. Um, but yeah, overall, I do like the product. I think the honeycombs are phenomenal. I, I, I thought the stain, uh, excuse me, I thought the um, Genesis would be really tough to beat in terms of style, but honeycombs, they really pop. That's for sure. It's it's interesting to see. I've opened, you know, I don't know, probably close to a half, probably a little over a half a case of cello boxes, a case of blasters. And it 
the top tier guys, you can tell they do not make as many top tier guys as they do the rest of the product. It is just insanely hard to hit Lawrence, Mac Jones, Fields. Trey Lance comes out a lot for whatever reason. He's mixed in with that coalition of all of the vet base. So he comes out a lot, but the other guys are very hard to hit. I'm not kidding you. I've hit one Mac Jones base, two Trevor Lawrence base out of all that retail product. Right. And I I think the yeah, I think the 400 base set makes that makes that harder, which is gonna be really interesting because um, Herbert's, I think they came out more for his base last year, which makes sense because it's a smaller base set. Sure. But then Herbert's like right now, his base mosaics are like six to eight dollars. And so it's just like, where where are these guys' base cards going to go? Because I, I think everybody just pretty much just jumps to green or pink, you know, right away now when, course, it comes to, yeah. when it comes to mosaic. So that's what I think is going to be really interesting to see how these base cards go in terms of art. Do they get graded much? Uh, what happens with the mosaic base in 2021? I, I'm really interested to see what happens with that. I'm interested to see if there's a correlation between the the added price on on the shelves for retail. I mean, hanger boxes are thirty dollars, thirty two dollars at Walmart here yep. in the states. You know, blasters are close to forty uh, after tax. So you know, those guys spending just if you're lucky enough and find it at retail, you know, is that going to correlate to higher singles prices because of the money that you have invested in the just opening wax maybe maybe not i don't know yeah well i think in terms of pop control and all those things like we're not nobody's submitting right now nobody's in a hurry to submit those base cards at 50 dollars a pop right Mm -hmm. because like everybody sent the herberts and burrows at 20 dollars a pop so there's a lot more of them so that pop control is probably going to be a little bit mellow in terms of people being do i send do i not send especially for the base cards the base game the base game's completely changed that's a whole probably another podcast yeah. in terms of how that's going to change things but um i we kind of already covered topic two but i mean just from your side of like chris like like you said the one big thing with retail right now is the prices continue to increase you know up here in canada it's 50 dollars for a blaster before tax it's going to be 42 dollars for a hanger obviously the exchange rate plays a part in that but sure that does get tough, right? You want four blasters. That's, you know, 200 bucks. And so what do you, yeah, I know. So what, what is your kind of take right now in terms of the retail, the world? Cause you know, a lot of value with retail was that you can get a lot for a little and get the base cards that have value, but now if the base cards aren't going to hold the weight. Do you think retail is still going to have the same appeal going forward? Well, here's what I could tell you Panini. And I don't know if this is the beginning of things to come or if this was a one-off or, or what, but, if you're if you're gonna double the price of retail, you have to add Chase to it, okay? Because you know the executives at Panini and Tops have to know what's happening in the in the landscape. It's like, right. like you said, you can't take base rookies and grade them for real cheap anymore and make your money there. So it has to be a hit based product. And even though retail traditionally has not been a hit based product, you can see what Panini did. It's like, okay, we can't just it's one of two reasons in my opinion you can't just pass along a hundred percent increase in a product to the consumer with zero added value right because that's going to turn people out and it already has i see pictures everywhere i I can't find the stuff but i see pictures everywhere of people finding mosaic basketball and football all the stuff that you could never find last year there it's sitting on the shelves because of the price increase well I think it's either a brilliant move by Panini to say, okay, we're going to double the price here. Ultimately, it's not Panini, but they're certainly increasing the price to their distributors, and then it just rolls down. But 
Right. So I think it's either one of two things. Either they're adding value to something that they know is going to be a higher MSRP or they're printing so much of it, they have to include more hits to keep the, the odds stable. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what, what kind of makes me nervous is it might be the latter because these hobby hits unannounced show up in retail. Yeah. So was was that Panini going, oh, my God, we made 10 million blasters and we can't just rely on a Genesis and an auto. We have to add something else. Oh, by the way. And, and the other interesting thing, what I noticed about retail is, too is retail traditionally always came out early, right? Yeah. So when a product releases, you could always find it at Walmart or Target, typically the day or two before hobby released. Well, what's happened over the last couple of years is with the cost of hobby, people are just fading hobby and going, I'm just going to wait for retail and I'm not going to go buy that six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar hobby box. Well, if you notice now, Things are very different now. So now you can see it with the mosaic. Hobby came out a month ago. Here we are. And now they're staggering releases. The first thing they dropped was cellos. So that list lasted a week. Then blasters came out. That lasted a week. Then hangers. Now, you know, a week after next will probably be megas. So it's almost like they're ensuring that the hobby value stays there before retail hits the market. And could you imagine if we rewind a year ago and retail drops a couple days before hobby. And then everyone finds out that there's stained glass, honeycomb and all these other hits in retail. The breakers in the hobby shops are going to be stuck with tens of thousands of dollars, of hobby product that no one's going to buy. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's interesting. There's a game being played here and nobody's ever going to come out and say what the game is. So it's either severe overproduction or they're getting smart and, and, putting some added value for these higher MSRPs. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the one big thing is that it can't be a, it's not a shock, but of course they're, they were going to raise their prices and they thought their stuff was getting flipped for. We right. talked about that. We talked about that last time. So mm -hmm. we, I feel like it's weird that we, some people are complaining about the price on the shelves, but then they complain about not seeing stuff on the shelves. Well, this is how it stays on the shelves. Cause right, right. that, that, that flip, uh, percentage is super low. I mean, I saw optic basketball up here forever sitting on the shelves. Cause it, when I went and looked, it was basically right at what you could buy on eBay. So nobody cares about it. Exactly so, right. and so that's the only way they're going to have a chance. And so I think this is where like, you know, you come into play at retail breaks is because now do I want to spend $200 and get four blasters myself? Or do I want to have exposure to a cello box for 35? You know sure. what I mean? So I think that that's, I, I do think in the long scheme of things, it really seems like it is funneling things to the breaking side of things. Um, because it just gives you more chances. It's just more, you know, economical for you to have more hits, more shots, um, to getting guys that you want, especially when it comes to pick, pick your team formats and how you do it, kind of putting strong divisions together. Mm. Um, I think that's kind of the best way to have your best value. Do you kind of agree? Yeah, absolutely, man. It, you know, the, j just imagine if there was only a Genesis or an auto possibility spending $40 or $200 for four blasters. I mean, you know, that's why that optic is sitting on the shelf because your chases are optic hollows, by the way, which were cut horribly all out of center. Very rarely do you find something that might even nine and right. your big chase is a checkerboard and they're crazy hard to hit. So there's no added value to justify a 40, $45 blaster. Right. right. But something like this, 
you know, and I don't even think the word's out yet. You know, you, you go spend four, people might complain about a 40 something dollar blaster, but guess what? You hit a Mac Jones stained glass. What's that? A $1,500 raw card. You know, oh, yeah. the, the it's there. It's there for you to possibly come out ahead. And that's right. what's important. It has to be that way. If you're going to, if you're going to make people pay more, there has to be a chance to hit something more. Do you, do you kind of go to my point four? We've kind of already talked about this, but like, where do you think things fall though, in terms of that base card dilemma? Cause I do think that while well, you're right, the high end, the, you know, the honeycomb being added is massive. The Genesis being there is massive. You still have mosaic autos. Let's just talk about mosaic specifically. But I knew if I went and if I played flip prices for a mosaic blast last year, they, you know, they were 65, 70 for a while. Then they got up to hundred once Herbert started playing well. But if I was buying them at 60, 70, I still felt good if I bought three or four and hit two her base Herberts. Cause I know that could grade those and they'd be $125 cards. Do you think that part's gone? Do you think basically you're going to have to almost give your, like I said, get into breaks and stuff, get more exposure to having a shot at those SPs? Uh, or do you think the base game still will survive? Unfortunately, I don't think the base game is going to survive very much. Um, I think the veil has kind of been pulled back a little bit. And I think buyers nowadays are more cognizant about, about pop counts, right? Right. So we seen that John Zion had, you know, what was it? However many twenty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. And that was 2019-20. You know, the big baseball releases just happened, uh, top series one, right? With the Wander Franco chase. It is estimated that there's over seven hundred thousand base Wander Franco rookie cards. So these companies are capitalizing on the demand by supplying more. So if, if you're a, a smart buyer, it, it doesn't make sense to go after that base stuff because there's going to be so much of it out there that you have to go the parallel route. You absolutely have to because just by its nature, it's short printed compared to the base set. Right. And with grading prices, look, I think PSA with them expanding, they just opened a spot up in New Jersey. Hopefully that's going to be rolling soon. I think they understand that this hobby works on – Grading has to be economical. There has to be a resource to grade those cards where it makes sense. Now, yeah. the demand got so big so fast that I think they, you know, in a knee-jerk reaction, kind of said, you know, we just can't do that. We can't meet turn times, the demand, all that stuff. But I think sooner rather than later, there's probably going to be something that's offered by PSA that will allow people to grade base. But even if you do – there's going to be so much of it out there. It's just going to water everything down. So yeah. to, I guess to answer your question, yeah, I think it is dying, if yeah. not dead already, you know? Right. And I think that to me was some of the appeal in retail, which I think kind of proves your point that for them to really, uh, if they're going to raise the prices, they have to throw more opportunity in there, which I you think they're doing. I think, I mean, Honeycomb's a great example. I, mm -hmm. I do think that they're, uh, the color's, I'd say more. You get almost a green. You get like a green every cello pack. I almost feel like you get almost yeah, like a yeah, green. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah you I like think it. you're guaranteed one uh, mosaic prism or silver per cello pack. I think is what it is. Yeah, something like that. I mean, you get good color in those packs, and so yep. that that's that's basically what you're opening the packs for now. It's not, and you get a base Lawrence, cool, but exactly, yeah, it's, right. not, it's not going to take you as far anymore. Which I think but the, other, the other thing Panini does very well, and I wish you know with the. Fanatics merger, it's going to be more relevant to what you do. Uh, but what Panini does very well that Tops doesn't do, and they used to do it, is 
Panini recognizes that there are different retailers that sell retail. Yep. And the retail market is so huge. And they put exclusive parallels typically to each retailer. And that is the best way to do it. It's so great to be able to have, you know, Walmart reactives, Target reactives, you know, yep. maybe one day Meyer gets big enough and they get their own their own parallel. You know, Tops used to do something very similar. They would put certain parallels and fat packs and hangers. And that's what you have to do. Not only do, does it have to be retail exclusive parallels, but it has to be retail exclusive retailer parallels. And that's a very easy way to add more chase to a product that's going to be severely overprinted, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just to kind of go into that, do you have any insight to what you think could change when Fanax takes over? Uh, do you like, do you just have any, I know you've kind of, you kind of outlaid, laid things out how you thought retail was going to go. It's gone pretty much that way. Uh, do you have any, like, is anything going to change or do you think it's just going to be more kind of cohesive a little bit since everything's going to be together possibly? I think I, I'm one of the doomsdayers when it comes to this Fanatics thing. I think Fanatics, obviously this is a huge money grab for Fanatics. There, there's no love for the hobby here. They see an opportunity, they're seizing it. And if, if you look at the hobby as a whole, the, the retail thing used to be an afterthought, right? It's just like we have to give entry-level price points to people to be able to get our product in as many hands as possible. Right. Well, nobody really cared about retail for years. Well, now with the cost of hobby going up so much, retail is an absolute necessity, and it's just as popular, if not more popular, for certain releases because of these exclusive parallels. Right. You know, like you look at the prisms of the world and, you know, all the different types of stuff, retail exclusive stuff you can get out of prism, the pulsars and all that stuff. Um, so they see the demand of retail creeping up equal to hobby, if not closer to hobby. Now, there's going to be some traditional traditionalists out there to call me crazy. You know, look, not everybody can spend a thousand dollars on a hobby box. That's just the reality of it. And that's always going to be the reality of it. Right. But my fear is is they they see this opportunity and you have to understand the way the that retail works logistically right so you have the manufacturer they sell it to a distributor that distributor then gets a huge allocation from the manufacturer then they sell it to the re the end user retailers well you could you could kind of see what's happening here prime example was optic basketball like you met like you uh let me let me get one and show you because it's very interesting yeah, for I sure. I think it's worth the 10 seconds here. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so Optic Optic came out a few months ago. Optic Basketball, I'm talking about. Right. So Optic Basketball came out, I believe it was, you know, 20-something dollars a blaster when it first came out. Well, lo and behold, this week, everybody starts finding Optic again on Walmart shelves, right? <laughs> but there's a little itty-bitty problem. If you notice... At the bottom of this blaster, mm -hmm. there's a sticker over where the barcode used to be. So there's a sticker here on top of the cellophane with a new barcode. Okay? okay. So when you go to ring this out, this blaster is now $40, which used to be $20. If you were to oh. peel the sticker off and ring it up at Walmart, it's probably going to recognize it what it originally did at a you know $20 blaster. So now you have distributors of retail recognizing high volume products, basketball, football, the optics, prism, mosaics of the world, 
when this product first came out, where they used to throw it all on the shelves, run through it, wait for the next product, they they did what hobby distributors do. They put a certain amount out, out and they go, okay, we're going to hold what, some of this back and we're going to wait a while and then we're going to put it out at quote unquote market. And that's exactly what they did. So now you have greedy distributors playing the same game for retail that they do for hobby. Right. So I think Fanatics obviously is a very successful company. They see what's happening here. And they this is where the opportunity lies. It is cutting out that middleman on the hobby side and on the retail side. We don't need people in control and being able to set prices and distribute product the way that they see fit. The product needs to get into people's hands when it comes out and they're going to set the prices. I think, to be honest with you, again, Mr. Tinfoil hat here, <laughs> I don't think we're going to see retail on the shelves anymore. You might see, you know, the hoops, the Donruses of the world still on the shelves. But I think when it comes to optic, prism, mosaic, or mosaic it's going to be a direct-to-consumer thing. And those blasters are going to be $45, $50. And they're going to cut that middleman out, and they're going to take every dime of that. They're not yeah. going to allow somebody to make any kind of markup on it. So that, yeah. you know, it's, I think it's going to kill the whole retail game. In, in oh. my opinion, I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I think is going to happen. So you think if they cut the middleman out, they won't do it for the customer. They'll do it for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Cause they know the same. Look, fanatics is, is the whole, you know, stock X, uh, you know, shoe flipping game, Gary V the whole, you know, it's all about the flip game. Right. So I think those guys know exactly what's happening in the retail world. And they're, you know, why would they allow a distributor to make a hundred percent margins on something, probably even more, and right. then allow somebody to walk into a store and then make another hundred percent margins on that, you know, the way it used to be, yeah. you know, they're, they're leaving that much money on the table. Yeah. So they're, you know, if you look at fanatics now, when, when they, Typically, when stuff drops on Walmart or Target, lately, Fanatics has been getting the same blasters, and they're always higher. It's it's always more money than Walmart and Target. They're, they're just that's just the way it's going to be, and I think that's the way hobby's going to be. That's the way retail's going to be. I, I just I don't see it as a good thing. I see yeah. it's a good thing we're going to get some some tops uh, basketball and football back, but other right. than that, I think it's going to be a disaster in my opinion. I hope yeah. I'm wrong though. So let's move on. Let I you know you made a pretty uh, awesome YouTube video list, uh, top ten <laughs> hits of the. I think it's just hits of the week, but it's still probably the hits of the month. But uh, why don't you just kind of walk us through that hit? Because I mean, that's kind of. I mean, I'm sure for you, that's probably one of your better hits that you've pulled. And I can't say ever, but I mean, that was a monster, especially yeah. at the timing of it and everything. It was pretty. It was great. So why don't you just walk us through? I'll let you give the listeners uh, the details of what the card is. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, just walk us through. It was a fun thing to watch. You know, that that whole thing started, it was it was pretty cool. I know a guy around here that I buy, and, and again, when you see when you see the word retail breaks, a lot of people get the get the wrong idea. I'm a guy who buys mostly from people that have retail distributor allocation. And I try to buy cases of retail. I don't go to Walmart and Target and wipe shelves out or anything like that. So typically when you find cases of stuff. It's what they call NPP, and that is the stuff that ends up at Walmart Meyer. Okay, 
Excel is the company that distributes to Target. And it's very rare. You used to be able to get cases of Excel stuff, but finding cases of Excel stuff is very difficult. Yeah. Almost impossible, I would say. So I had an opportunity to buy a case of Excel Select Football Megas. So it's 20 boxes come in a case. And this is right before the AFC Championship game. So I bet on the Bengals. I was, I'm a big, I'm an Ohio guy. So I was pulling for Joe Burrow. So I go, let me take a chance here. This is something you don't see every day, a case of Target Select Megas, Excel Megas. Let me buy this case. So I bought this case, and the AFC Championship game happens, the Bengals win. So I did a few breaks with the boxes that I had. My plan was to just do, you know, four, five, six-box breaks with that case. So I ran through most of them. I think I had four or five of them left. And I have one of my regular customers, uh, Abraham, uh, he knew that I had a bunch of boxes from this case left. And he said, hey, can I get some personals? You know, which means he wants to wants me to open the box for him without doing the break. Right. So I go, yeah, sure. I think I have four or five of them left. You know, how, how, how many do you want? So he said he said three at first. So I opened three boxes for him. And actually a guy before him, I, I have more left. So a guy before him ripped some boxes. Abraham wanted three. And I think I had two or three left. So he rips his three. He goes, let me see how this goes. And I might buy more, but let's see what we pull from this, from these three. So we didn't really hit anything. I get off the live. I message him and I said, look, you've spent a good amount of money with these three boxes. If you want another, I know you were expressing interest in another one. I'll give you a deal on the fourth one if you want. And he goes, all right, give me a few minutes. I'll think about it. A few minutes later, he's like, let's do it. I get back on. I think there were three boxes on the table, maybe four. That, that's everything I had left. And I asked him, what box do you want to pick? And he goes, you pick a box. So I picked the bottom left box. I open it up. Now, mind you, this is about an hour after the AFC Championship game finishes. Okay? Yeah, I remember. It was that night. Burrow, yeah. Burrow just absolutely people are losing their mind for Joe Burrow, right? Just won the AFC Championship game, going to the Super Bowl. It was an Amazing. I was happy. I won my bet. The Bengals <laughs> are in there. Ohio guy, right? Joe Burrow. Yep. So um, I picked the bottom left box. We open it up. And typically most, most products that Panini does, if you have an autograph, the card is backwards. So I started opening the, opening the packs. I noticed I had a backwards card and you can hear me in the video. It's on my YouTube page, retail breaks, or it's on, um, I forget the guy's name who does the top 10 IF cards or something like that. Right. You can see, I'm sure a lot of people have already seen it on Instagram and stuff like that. Right. So, um, so I see, I noticed the cards turn backwards. I'm like, cool. We got an auto. Now, mind you, this case has already been nuts as it is. I hit a Cole, a Cole Komet, uh, gold out of 10. Right. Um, I sold a couple boxes to a guy. He hit the same Cole at a uh, tricolor or I think it was a tie dye. Or... Yeah. Tie-dye auto out of 25. Um, I hit a Herbert field level die cut white. I hit a, a Joe Burrow field level die cut. I hit a Tua field level. So the case was nuts, right? It was just pulling good card after good card. So I've run through the cards. I get to the backwards card. I start slow rolling it. I see it's a rookie. I slow roll a little <laughs> bit more. I see it's a Bengals helmet. And lo and behold, it's a Joe Burrow auto, but not only a Joe Burrow auto, it's a Joe Burrow gold shimmer 
at a 10 auto yeah. an hour after they just win the AFC championship game. So I lose my mind. I'm like, I, I couldn't even, the timing, you couldn't write a story where this, this happens in the real world. This no. guy didn't even want this other box. I reach out to the guy and say, Hey, I feel bad. You didn't hit anything in the first, the first three. I'll give you a deal on the fourth one. He lets me pick it. It's an hour after the championship game, and we hit a gold burrow auto out of 10 out of retail. And the great one of the greatest parts about it. Now, mind you, you're talking to a guy who runs a break room that has an eggplant emoji and a donut emoji in the logo. I don't take <laughs> myself too seriously. I like to have fun. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people who are not in my room might not necessarily get my sense of humor, my style, stuff like that. So when this video started going out, people were losing their mind. A lot of them weren't very friendly, to say the least, right? So um, this this card, the that night, one on PWCC, a PSA 9, sold for like 12500 PSA 9. This card was perfect, too, man. I'm yeah. telling you, this card will absolutely dime, in my opinion. Yeah. So um, he wound up driving down from Virginia to pick it up. But the cool thing about the exposure of this card, somebody sent the video of me pulling it. My daughter chopped it up, made it its own video. Somebody sent it to this guy who does this top 10 every week. So this guy has like 50,000 followers, right? Card porn is the, the first one to pick it up. Right. A lot, of the, a lot of the responses that I was getting on my YouTube page and a lot of responses that were coming on these other um, Instagram accounts that were picking it up, and it's, it's kind of amazing. People were like, I had no idea you could pull something like that out of retail. Right. And they, they didn't believe that it was a, like a mega box. They thought it was hobby. And, you know, so it was great exposure for retail. It's like, look, man. Great for your brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's if you buy the right stuff, there is monsters in there. You yeah. have to recognize that. And that's why a blaster sells for $40, $50, $60, up to $100. Because you can, those things are possible. You right. know, you watch that video that that is life changing money for that guy. You know, right. I mean, who knows what that card's going to bring? But right. you know, it's it was great exposure for retail, and that you know, obviously great exposure for the room. But it, it was just cool for people to say, "Hey, man, like this retail stuff can be some pretty crazy stuff sometimes." You know? Yeah, for sure. Did Abraham did he grade it? Is he what's his did he have a plan for he, it yet? You he know, he hasn't graded it yet. His I mean, he's he's one of those guys. I'm a I'm a big hit grade sell guy. I, I hardly hold anything. He's one of those guys, you know, he he's more of a collector. If Burrow ever gets inducted, then he's gonna then he's gonna sell it right then. You yep. know what I mean? So he's right. a long term hold guy. So yeah, that's good. I mean, I, I think Burrow's shown that he I think he's gonna be around for a long time. I think it's but gonna, I'm pretty it's, sure if I played on the defense against the Bengals that I could sack Burrow. Yeah, sure. and that's all they got to work on this offseason to try to make another <laughs> run for sure. All right, man. Well, that, that was awesome. Thanks for walking us through that. That was a fun fun hit to follow, fun to watch you do that. I'm sure Appreciate it was exciting it, for you as well. And, again, to give some retail love, right, showing that yeah, retail absolutely. game. Retail game is strong. Let's just pivot one more thing to kind of cover with you. I know it's been a long time, so I appreciate you, your time on a late night for you. Um, whatnot. Kind of, I know whatnot is starting to really, I don't want to say start and pick up. I think it's been pretty hot for a while, but it's, I think it's definitely getting in more and more conversations in the hobby. Um, I'll just kind of give my thing from a consumer of seeing it. It is, if you don't know what whatnot is, it's basically you come into an app, 
everything is live video everywhere you go. Everyone in the sports card world is either doing uh, quick dollar auctions, quick breaks, buy it now, rip right the second, uh, pack openings. Like, I mean, it's hot and heavy all over the place. There's tons of things going on. Um, what What is your take on it, Chris? Like, and maybe fill in the stuff I didn't cover, and then just maybe your take from a seller since you're a seller on there. First off, whatnot is they they don't accept just anybody to sell. Right. They, you have to be you have to be vetted. Yeah, it's so kind of like it, my slabs, right? My slabs has that kind of you have to be a hundred percent eBayer to get in. Like it, right? They they definitely make it. Uh, they make you feel good about the sellers. What whatnot, and, and I want people who are listening to this to understand kind of the how hard it is to be a seller on whatnot. You have to have a following in order for them to even consider you. So when you fill out the application for whatnot, you have to link any profile, any Facebook room, Instagram, eBay store, whatever you have that shows a proven track record that you are a seller in this business and you have a following. Not only that, you have to send detailed pictures of your inventory. What do you plan on selling? Prove that you have it, whether it be wax or singles or whatever. And, you know, it's a process. You know, they review it. They research you, so on and so forth. And a lot of people who apply never even get responded to. They don't get accepted. And I was lucky enough to get accepted as a whatnot seller. So the whatnot is the wild west of trading cards. Mm -hmm. It is. It is the hobby stripped down to its bare bones, and that's why I love it. And, and I'll give you a couple examples. We live in a we live in a comp world, right? It's almost like we're real estate agents. We right. can't buy a house unless we comp out twenty other houses that are around us to make sure that we're making a good investment. Okay, we can't take the real estate agent's word for it that this house is worth a half a million dollars. We need to make sure that there is a proven track work record of houses in this area selling for a half a million dollars. The hobby's kind of the same way. We look at eBay as our Bible. Okay. We need to see other people spent this amount of money for this card. Then I feel good spending this amount of money for this card. So right. coincidentally, I'm not like that at all. Now, I certainly look at comps when I buy things for sure, especially if I plan to, um, to sell it on whatnot or to resell it or to make an investment, whatever. I certainly look at comps. But if it's something I like, I don't care about comps. I'm going to spend whatever I want to spend because I want this card. And that personifies whatnot. It is instant gratification for this generation, right? This generation is very much like that. They grew up on their phones. It is instant gratification. That's what drives this generation. It's fast. Fast, it's very fast. fast. So. Whether you're selling wax or cards or repacks or slabs, whatever it is, it is you're going live. A person is throwing it right in front of you and saying, okay, here is, you know, for example, here is this Cole Black Wave 101 PSA 8. I'm going to throw it up on a dollar auction. I'm going to set it on the table and I'm going to hit go. Dollar auction lasts one minute. And every time it gets below 10 seconds, it adds 10 seconds to the clock. So it can, you know, it can keep going. So you don't have time to go check eBay no. to see if this is a $500 card, $1,000 card, whatever. It is a bunch of people that say, hey, I want this card. And there's somebody, somebody else or a few other people that want this card. So I'm going to bid as much as I want to to buy this card. Now, 
it can go very badly right, for a seller, especially if you don't have a big following. I'm just getting started on whatnot. So I don't have a huge following. There's lots of sellers that have a huge following and they get, you know, four or 500 people every time they go live. A guy like me, I'm lucky to get 20 people, 30 people in there. So it can go very badly because I don't have enough people and enough uh, active bidders. Or it can go great where I can take a card that I wouldn't be able to sell for $20 on Facebook and it winds up going for $50 because right. somebody in that room wanted it. Right. And I think it is the future of trading cards. I really do. I think people who buy and sell a lot on Facebook have all run into the people. And it's, it's very seller protective too because they there's no, there's no refunds. Yeah. Right? So you get the card. Now you can file a claim with whatnot and stuff like that. So it, it protects the seller much more than eBay does. They, it, it, it exposes you to a huge audience as a seller. Now it's up to you to cultivate that audience, grab them, show them that there's seller rating, right? So it, if, if you run across my room on whatnot, you can see how many items I've sold, what the feedback is from the people who I've sold to. Um, how many people are watching, you know, how many people, uh, follow me, so on and so forth. So I think there's still a huge part of this hobby that doesn't even know about it. There's right. other platforms like loop that are out there that kind of the same thing, but for wax, not necessarily for sellers or for singles and stuff. But, um, I'm telling you, man, a lot of people like me who sell on Facebook are just just over it. You know, it's like, you got to go through this whole, you know, I, and I, I don't have PayPal. So yeah. if a guy can't pay, pay me PayPal goods and services, I'm not selling a card because nobody's going to send me that they don't know me cash app or Venmo or something like that. So, and you know, people want vouchers. And so it's a big ordeal to sell a card on Facebook because you're really taking a chance that yeah. the person is actually going to send you this card. Right. Yeah, I think it's the future, man. I really do. I think a couple things that stand out to me um, is one is even the ease of the transaction from a consumer is nice. I don't have to worry about punching my PayPal. Your stuff has to be loaded so yep. that it automatically takes it out. So it's just on to the next thing. I think that's phenomenal. Um, you think about why people would like, because you, like you said, eBay is our Bible. So then what, what's the gain from eBay? Well, the gain from eBay is you don't have to wait a week to see the auction, right? Like it's, yep. it's like you said, it's quick. So people like it. Um, the other thing that just really stands out to me that I think matters is that the quickness that you see the messages on this compared to Facebook. Like oh, you, every, how is Facebook have a three minute delay still on messages? You know what I mean? It's absolutely <laughs> you know, amazing. It's, and so like when you're on whatnot and like, you know, I thought it was even funny. I get on there a couple of times just checking out other people, other sellers or seeing what they're doing. And it's just like, I, I'm in there for two seconds. T-Banker, what's up? I'm like, oh, exactly. shoot, people know how it's here. And so just uh, just like just seeing how quick it is. I, I think you're right. I think it is going to get a lot of people's interest. And, and then I think also I, I've seen it. I've seen plus and minuses. I've seen you like because I've watched a couple of your sales. I've seen, yes, a couple of cards go cheap, but I've seen a couple of dollar cards go for six bucks and people are just messing with each other. And you're like, that's fine with me. <laughs> you know, I, so you, I, you I sold, I'm not kidding you, um, a Shohei Otani Bowman's Best insert rookie. Now, if I would have sold this card on Facebook, I'd have been lucky if somebody gave me $5 for it. Right. But right. I had, I had three or four Angels guys in there that liked Otani. 
that card went for like 38 bucks. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they don't, you know, again, it's, hey, I want that card. I don't care what it costs. Yeah. So I'm going to bid it up until I, until I get it. Yeah. And, you know, you get guys, plus it's a competition thing. It's yeah. kind of fun when you get in there, you start bidding against somebody and it's just instantaneous back and forth. And the right. bigger guys, it's so, it's so overwhelming as a seller. And again, I, I don't have a big following at all. So if I get 20, 25, 30 people in, in on my live, the the comments are coming so fast and ferocious and it's instantaneous that you can't keep up. So right. the bigger sellers, you always notice there's one or two guys. You literally have a guy reading comments and they're, and they're just yeah. boom, 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 <clears throat> like a pit crew. Yep. Throw it up, auction, on to the next one. Now the guy's taking care of it, writing down the information. Yep. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it's incredible, cool. man. So if, if yeah. anyone who's listening to this hasn't checked out whatnot, my name is Andrew Dice Breaker, right? I have a little dirty sense of humor and you know <laughs> that, that kind of thing. I cuss a lot and a lot of inappropriate jokes. So Andrew <laughs> underscore dice underscore breaker on whatnot. Um it's it's worth a look. And the other cool thing is they combine shipping, right? Right. So if you buy multiple items, whatnot software automatically, you the seller pay or the buyer pays shipping automatically, it's included. And then if you buy another item from me, it charges you a dollar for combined shipping. So every item that you buy, it tax on a dollar. It's it's great. It's yeah. absolutely great. Yeah, I've I've been impressed with it. I think I like I got a couple of year uh, dollar auctions, it's they're fun. Um, I am interested to see if the breaking part of it picks up. I think there is some guys break on there quite a bit, but I just wonder, you know, if some of the guys that are really heavy Facebook breakers want to move to more of a platform like that, if Facebook doesn't improve, because I do think the messaging is important. I do think the interaction is going to be important for those guys. Cause I think the main reason that Facebook has survived or not survived, but have been, has been a big player in terms of uh, breaking is because, you know, you can post a break and break it right when it fills and eBay's yeah. not going to work that way. Yeah. And so I, I think that that whatnots kind of bring that even quicker. And so I think that that could be something I, I like to see how the breaking goes with that for sure. You you have you have to have a massive audience to break on whatnot. Like I tried to do a couple of breaks when I first started and it's just impossible. Yeah. But um, if you watch some of the guys that have a big audience, I mean, I watched the guy drop $70,000 on flawless basketball, 70 grand. On whatnot. I mean, they're and the, the other interesting thing is wh when you're accepted as a whatnot seller, they make you go through this onboarding Zoom call, and they you're with like 30 other guys, and there's a person leading it, and they explain to you, you know, the fees that's associated, how it works, and there's a lot of analytics, and these people are very smart, and yep. they said it. Was, don't quote me, but it's something like it was crazy. It stood out to me. They said something like 80 or 90% of the whatnot audience is not on eBay or Facebook. Think about wow. that for a minute. Oh, I didn't so they're know. Like, That's crazy. Yeah, they're like, if you're a Facebook seller, right, or if you're an eBay seller, we are literally introducing you to a whole new audience. And wow. that is exactly the case. I have some bleed over from guys that come from the room, from my break room retail breaks on Facebook. You know, they come over just to hang out and, you know, guys like you, you'll throw in and buy some stuff. But 99% of the people that come in are people I don't know. They're not from the room. And the other thing that's seamless, too, is you're in Canada. And I've had a couple guys that bought for me that are from Canada. And it is literally they have it so perfect where, you know, when I go through and do the shipping, 
It's just print label. It automatically spits out a Canada label. You throw it on there like anything else. It is, it is amazing. Absolutely mm. amazing. So, so watch for whatnot. It's definitely growing. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan. But I'll probably even get into it more, especially after hearing about what things you've said about it. it definitely interests me. Um, I know that I'm pretty sure that Ty was approved with our group. So we actually have a little whatnot thing. I don't think we've done anything with it yet, but oh, nice, nice. So I, I think that's something that bench clear could have some options as well. Um, but well, thanks Chris for being on, man. I really appreciate the time. Why don't you, uh, what's, what's going on with retail breaks the next few weeks and just make sure to leave us all your handles. I know we got your whatnot down, but, uh, just kind of give every listeners where they can find you. Yeah. It's a uh, retail breaks on Facebook. I have a YouTube page that I'm trying to grow too. All of the breaks that we do on Facebook automatically get loaded up to YouTube. So I'm trying to grow that side of it. Um, you know, we break pretty much every day and it's not just retail. We do a lot of, a lot of hobby stuff too. It's all sports except hockey because who, who breaks hockey? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> Careful, no, no. Canada. <laughs> we, we, we do pretty much every sport and we break pretty much every day. Yep. And, uh, and you'll hear a lot of guys say this, but I, I can honestly say this with a hundred percent conviction. Our room has turned into a place where people enjoy to come there. And it's not so strict in with rules that a lot of other break rooms are. Yeah. And, you know, it's all about breaks and it's, you know, you can't throw this post up because it interferes with my, this is a room where you can come and let loose. You don't have to worry about, you know, what you say, I mean, I, you know, let's be civil here, but yeah. you know, it's, it's a place where people enjoy. If you, if you enjoy some, you know, little dirty sense of humor every once in a while, I'm your guy. And yeah. you know, we, we have a lot of fun and it's kind of cool what it's turning into, man. It really, yeah, I'll just say as just as a member and obviously I'm see a lot of break rooms. I'm a lot of places on Facebook, just checking them out, helping different places. Your room's definitely a, a hangout room. I would say. Yeah definitely a place where I even just go. I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not made of liquid money, so I'm not in everything, <laughs> but I, I come in and just even watch and just chat with you and you're breaking. And it's definitely mm -hmm. a fun place to do that. So definitely check out because it retail breaks. And uh, again, I appreciate coming on. appreciate the time, but anytime Tyson, appreciate it, man. Yep. Have a good weekend. Later.